southeast. But she says that the loss of a unique population of killer whales would be a tragedy and the loss of their genetic diversity. She also cites the impact felt by other communities beyond southeast that rely on the Chinook salmon fishery. I really encourage people to, to, to look, you know, and I know this is more difficult speaking to an Alaskan audience, but this fishery, as I said, you know, because it is harvesting fish up and down the coast, I mean, there are, you know, BC has shut down, you know, their fisheries for, you know, 60% of their fisheries over the last three years. There's some subsistence fisheries that are not occurring because so few fish are returning on the Columbia. You know, we're, we're literally talking about phasing out our gillnet fishery because so few ESA listed fish are returning. Um, and so I think this type of fishing has been having really devastating impacts on communities up and down the coast. And so when we really ask what is the cost of, of the decisions we're making, we need to consider everyone that's affected by, by the harm that is caused by this fishery. Um, and so I think, I, again, I don't want to undervalue the harm that this causes to Alaska, but I think that, that to say that this fishery only affects Alaska is, is, is not true. And Halverson reiterates that the lawsuit was not a rash decision. This isn't something that we, we fell on very quickly. This is something we've really been studying for, for almost two decades now. We've worked in many various ways to try to address this problem outside of the courts. And, um, you know, Noah's biop saying, you know, just, just admitting that this harm is occurring. And, you know, we just felt, given that killer whales are, are truly facing this risk of extinction, you know, we were really out of options. And, and this is really the last, the last place where we could really bring this information forward in the courts to, to, to just have an, an, you know, a, an impartial conversation of what are the facts um, on either side of this story and, and try to come to a, a conclusion. The decision now is in the hands of a district judge in Washington state as all parties are being allowed one final chance to respond before the end of this month when a final verdict will be made whether to halt or not the southeast summer and winter troll fishery. The Alaska House of Representatives have elected a new speaker. The House, in an overnight discussion, decided on selecting Representative Kathy Tilton, Republican of Wasilla. It took only two days for representatives to elect a speaker this year, much quicker than in the past two sessions when it took 31 days to elect a speaker in 2019 and 22 days in the last session. Tilton was selected in a 26-14 vote. The deadlock to select a speaker was broken by a rural group of representatives, two independents and two Democrats, They agreed to support the House's Republican caucus made up of 19 members. There is now a majority coalition of Republicans seizing control from a Democratic coalition that had been in charge of the House the past five years. Coming up on News of the North, the Native Youth Olympics are returning to Juneau for its sixth year. Governor Mike Dunleavy talks about the Alaska Marine Highway and its future. And a Juneau pro-choice coalition is staging its first major film festival for 2023. Those stories and more coming up on News of the North. Welcome back to News of the North. The Native Youth Olympics are returning to Juneau this spring for its sixth year. Jazz Garrett has the details. Kyle Worrell is a coach for the Native Youth Olympics. He's been coaching for six years and an athlete for 14 years. He talked to News of the North and gave a background on the traditional games. Our sixth annual traditional games. It's an event hosted by Sea Alaska Heritage in collaboration with Central Council Clinton Haida. And the event includes about 10 traditional games that draw their origins from various indigenous cultures of the North or the Arctic. Most of the games that are really well known, like the high kicking games, those ones come specifically from the Inupiaq 
people of the northernmost region of Alaska and their neighbors or relatives in Canada, the Inuit, all the way into Greenland. This is a regional qualifying event, so a team can go to the statewide games. Worrell says registration is open, starting at 11 years old. They have a middle school division, a high school division, and an adult division. No experience is needed to register. The event is April 1st and 2nd at Thunder Mountain High School, and the day generally runs about 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. each day. It is free admission, so welcome spectators to watch and learn about the game. And registration is currently also open online, so you can register online. You can register as a team or as an individual. You can find information on our website, traditionalgames.alaskaheritage.org. At least 10 games will be held over the two days. Participants who register by March 1st are eligible to win a seal skin kicking ball in a drawing. The majority of teams are here in southeast, from Skagway down to Metlakatla, but Worrell says they also invite athletes from Nome, Anchorage, Bethel, and Homer. Worrell explains how the Native Youth Olympics aren't just a game. Each game holds great cultural significance. There really is a story behind each one of the games. For example, the scissor broad jump is a four-step broad jump, but it is supposed to be practiced for jumping on ice floats. So it's a survival skill game. Or we have the seal hop that mimics a seal hopping on the ice. But it was also actually a hunting technique back in the day before rifles and they had their harpoons and they had to sneak up to the seal without scaring it off. Even here in southeast Alaska, that may not be from indigenous cultures up north like the Nupiaq or the Inuit, but participants that may be Alaska Native like Quinket or Haida really identify with the games. It really holds similar cultural values here in southeast Alaska. We were hunters and gatherers as well, and we had to work together for that successful hunt. Governor Mike Dunleavy was on action line this week. Many topics were discussed, including the Alaska Marine Highway ferry system and the need for new ferries. He said it is a priority. We're excited that we believe that the ferry system is is heading into an um, era of stabilization. We've got bids for the, uh, the Tustamina to replace the Tustamina. The Columbia is going to be up and running in February in terms of service. Uh, we we uh, worked with the legislature on coming up with a fund that we can deposit federal and state funds into so that the ferry system uh, has a budget going forward. So we're, um, we're excited about what's happening with the ferry system. We've always said that we want to make sure it's sustainable for the long term, and we're headed in that direction. So um, you'll see more discussions on uh, improving the ferry system as we go forward. Dunleavy offers a glimpse of the future utilizing electric powered ferries. There's, um, you know, there's discussions we're having with uh, potential uh, small electric ferries in Southeast Alaska as well. And so that discussion is part of the Infrastructure Act that was passed. Uh, for example, you could, you could easily have a, a ferry of that type, an electric ferry from, let's say, Saxman to Metlakatla uh, runs like that. And then they could um, they can um, replenish their batteries with the uh, hydropower that you have here in Southeast that night. So I think there's some tremendous opportunities there. Amy Keston, lead coordinator and silent auction coordinator for Luna Fest in Juneau, and Loray Jones, core treasurer for Juneau Pro-Choice Coalition, joined Dano on Capital Chat to talk about Juneau's first major film festival of the year. Here's Jazz Garrett with more. It's back in person at the Juneau Arts and Humanities Council after two years of being virtual. 
Larray Jones explains what LunaFest is. A series of short films, some of um, that have been put together by the Lunabar Company, and um, they send them to different organizations for raising funds. And we've been doing this since 2009, bringing it to Juno. Originally, we did it to celebrate Roe v. Wade, 22nd of January. This year, we're doing it on the 20th. And now we don't have that to celebrate anymore. So it becomes even more important that we get the word out and keep the momentum going for women. There's animated and realistic films, eight films total. Keston says what the silent auction includes. I have everything from a gourmet dinner for Saturdays at Barn Camp, jewelry, there's um, gift certificates to Rainbow Foods, the Narrows Bar, original art by local artists, fun t-shirts, books. Uh, Once again, the community is so generous and the businesses are so generous and supportive. All funds benefit the Juno Pro-Choice Coalition. We give scholarships to high school students. That's one of the things we do with the money. And we make sure that education and information is available in Juneau and Southeast Alaska for women. This is how to get tickets. You can get tickets online at lunafest.org, or we will have a few tickets left at the door. In the past, we've always done it at Centennial Hall, but they're closed for renovations. So the Jack is a smaller space, so I urge you to come early and get your seat. The U.S. Coast Guard and Department of Defense are keeping an eye on what they say is a Russian spy ship working off the shores of Hawaii. ABC's Alex Stone reports. It's not the first time Russian spy ships have lurked off the coast of the U.S. Last May, there was one near Hawaii that alerted the Department of Defense. And in 2019, a Russian spy ship operated off the east coast of the U.S. and caused worry because it was running without navigational lights on or communicating with commercial ships to avoid hitting. And there have been continual encounters with Russian fighter jets and spy aircraft off the coast of Alaska. Alex Stone, ABC News. Never miss a story or a newscast at KINYradio.com. Now you're up to date. I'm Ken Smith for News of the North.